Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Hey, I know I did this. If you're at the first service, I'm going to just share a couple things again. But hey, before we get into it, can we pray? Can we ask that God's Spirit would be here uh, this night, tonight? That's what I was going to say. Tonight, can we ask that God's presence, His power, His love, His grace would be here? Come on, if you believe that, could you just open up your hands to heaven just as a sign of surrender? And Father God, we thank You for tonight. We thank You that You've already gone ahead of us. We thank You that Your presence is here. We thank You, God, that You want to move tonight. You want to touch hearts. You want to change lives. You want to speak hope. You want to show grace. You want to extend mercy. And God, tonight, without you, this is just Christian karaoke. But God, by your power and by your spirit, salvation has come to this place tonight. Healing has come to this place tonight. Restoration has come to this place tonight. Vision has come to this place tonight. And God, we just ask that you, God, would move like only you can. I pray that we would just get out of the way. And God, that you would have yours in this place in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you're expectant and you're ready this this evening, come on, can we give God one more shout of praise as we take our seats? Come on, let's give Him a shout of praise. Fantastic. Okay, before we sit down, what I want you to do is this. I want you to turn to someone, the person that you love the most on your row. I just want you to give them a quick shoulder massage and just get them ready, get them expectant. And you can take your seat. Thank you. It is good to be here at Northwest. I really love this church and this facility is incredible. I'm sorry, I've, I've kind of lost my voice a little bit, but I'm going to push it out. I believe that God's got a word uh, for you this, this evening, so I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you for joining us. My wife, all the way from Sydney, sends her love, and my family as well. If, if you were in the morning service, where are all the morning service people at? Yeah, you guys are the really holy people. Fantastic. Where are just the night service people at? Yeah, don't be embarrassed now. That's, that's fine. That's okay. We're cool. We're, this is family here. And so uh, just for all the night service people, I'm going to show a couple photos. I, I showed them at the start uh, this morning, but is it okay? Can I show you them again? We, you guys can put up with my family. Okay, fence. cool. Okay, maybe we won't show them. <laughs> Come on, we're going to show you the photos. Just put up with it. I hope it's okay. This is, this is a photo of me and my wife. Um, she is obviously beautiful. I reminded the morning service that I have a great personality, and that's how I got someone like that. Uh, and so she is incredible. Her name's Katie. And uh, we've actually been best friends uh, for, for so long. We've been best friends since we were 11 years old. There you go. That's us. Okay, yeah. Thank you for that abusive pity that you just gave me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just like to let you know that I play the long game. I'm about consistency. And so from 11, you know, I'm talking about 11-year-old with vision, 11-year-old who knew what he wanted, 11-year-old that chased his dream down and got it, put a ring on it, you know what I mean? And so, anyway, I'm just saying I like to put a ring on it, and that is the girl that I married. Like, can you, like, can you see the little lean that she's even giving? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'll take care of you. <laughs> you know, it's like really compassionate. Speaking of compassionate, I'm actually her compassion, compassion child. 
no, no one got that. Cool. I'm just joking. She didn't. She didn't sponsor me into marriage, but it could have. It could have happened that way. Uh, she is honestly. She's been my best friend for years. I love her to death. She. She honestly. When I say she's my best friend, she is my best friend uh, in the whole entire world. And I'm just so so blessed. Uh, too blessed to stress, I like to say, too blessed to stress. And also, I like to take a moment to just praise Jesus for puberty, you know what I mean? Like, thank you, God, for facial hair and the whole thing. I really appreciate you, Lord. Uh, and so, uh, milk chocolate, white chocolate, put that together, and you get caramello kids. Uh, these are my children, uh, the, my offspring, uh, my daughter uh, on this side. W- which side is that? That's, that's, that's your right. Um, and so, my daughter, her name's Anaya Grace. And, uh, and she's, she's just incredible. She's actually a real sweetheart. She'll kind of walk into a room with a, like, uh, with a little tutu on, you know what I mean? And she'll just, she'll just kind of like just ballet her way into the, into the room. And she's just like, I love you. I love you. Daddy, I love you. Right? And so she's got this real sweet, soft, nurturing. She's like Katie in a nutshell. My son, on the other hand. This kid needs Jesus. His name's Zion Cruz. This dude will like run straight past you, run into a wall, fall down, like shake himself off and then just keep running again and like scream at you. Just that, I don't know why he does that, but that's what he does. Please pray for my family. And so uh, anyway, he's incredible. He's one and a half and, uh, and they are just, honestly, they are the best. Uh, if you don't have kids, have them. Actually, wait, there's a, there's a few steps in that process, you know. Find, find your partner, get married, all, all that good stuff. Um, but um, anyway, life with them is the best. It's the greatest privilege to be their dad. And so uh, they all send their love all the way from Sydney. Um, and, and look, you know what? This morning was incredible. I really felt like God was moving. But tonight, I, I, I have this word on my heart that when uh, Pastor Daz spoke to me and invited me to come along, which I'm so grateful for, I really felt this word kind of start to churn in my heart. And I, I wasn't sure whether to share it for the morning. But I saved the best till last because apparently this is the better looking congregation. That's what Daz tells me anyway. So, um, so uh, tonight, we're, I'm really going to dive in. We're going to dive into the Word. But tonight, I really believe that God wants to speak to some people this, uh, this, this night. I believe that there are some people that have been going through some real challenges, going through some real hardship, some real tough stuff in their world. And, and I believe that God tonight wants to give you a strategy that tonight God wants to give you a tool, that God wants to equip you to learn how do we push through our challenge, how do we push through our trial. And so uh, last year, I was kind of going through a bit of a journey. Me and my family were in the process of purchasing a place in Sydney. Talk about a nightmare. It was hardcore. It was, it was actually a really full-on process and a full-on journey. And uh, there were just really, really dark, scary, fearful, anxious kind of moments throughout that entire time. And during that time, I was kind of in my reading and in my quiet time with God. God drew me to this passage in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5. And, and as I was reading, something jumped out to me. Something really spoke to me. And I, I just wanted to share that with you. And I really hope that this message will speak to you the same way that it spoke to me. Come on, are we receptive tonight? Are we alive tonight? Come on, can someone yell amen in the building? Are we alive? There we go. Now, here's the only rule. If I'm preaching, you've got to preach back to me. Okay, so just let me know that you're alive. If you see someone falling asleep, you have all the permission in the world just to rib them. You know what I mean? Like, boom. Do we know what a ribbing is? Okay, cool. All right. Fantastic. It's like, don't kill someone. That, no, just a nice, gentle, Holy Spirit touch from the Lord. Jesus' name. Okay. Mark chapter 5, verse 2. We're going to read from this 
scripture. And in this passage, there's three different people, three different stories, three different backgrounds, three different circumstances, three different histories, three different names, three different upbringings, three different backgrounds. Yet for some reason, they all had a very similar response. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share this story of these three people. And as we look at it, we're going to unpack it. And hopefully God is going to begin to speak to your heart in Jesus' name. So verse 2, so Mark chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says this. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the iron off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Let's skip down. Let's go all the way down to, to verse 21. Verse 21 says, when Jesus, oh, pause. Do you mind if I read the Bible here? Is that a, Northwest Church, we read our Bibles? Okay, fantastic. Verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, everyone say Jairus. Come on, everyone say Jairus. Come on, say it like you mean it, Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. We skip down to verse 27. Now we're introduced to another person, another, uh, another character in this story. The Bible says this, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around against you, Jesus, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your father has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now let me just wrap this up for a second. We've got three different people. Number one, we have a possessed man. Someone who has an issue with the mind. And he, he, he's living in the tombs. He's living in a grave. And he sees Jesus coming across in the water. So what he does is he leaves the tombs. He runs all the way up to Jesus. And then he falls on his feet. As he falls at, at, his, at Jesus' feet, he gets on his knees and he begins to surrender himself to God. And then Jesus touches him, has an encounter, and his life is changed. Then we go down to the next person, a church leader, a guy named Jairus. And so Jairus is there. He's got a dying daughter. When he sees Jesus, he runs up to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet on his knees again, has an encounter. And then Jesus touches his daughter's life and she gets healed. The third story, a woman who's sick, been sick for 12 years with an issue of bleeding, sees Jesus, comes through the crowd. She pushes through, gets down to Jesus. And what does she do? She falls at his feet, gets on her knees, has an encounter with Jesus and then gets healed. Three different people, three different stories, three different circumstances, three different situations, but the same response. I think it's very interesting that their response was the same. Their response was not to talk their way through a problem. Their response was not to fight their way through a problem. Their response was just to get on their knees and surrender themselves to Jesus. 
that there is something about this posture. There's something about this moment. There's something about surrendering yourself, posturing yourself with a heart of worship. There's something about submitting and surrendering your life to God that can shift the room, that can shift an atmosphere, that can shift a circumstance, that can shift your life. See, this, this posture is actually a, a posture that's quite vulnerable. In the world, this is a posture of defeat. This is a posture of surrender. This is a posture of, uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. This is, a, this is almost a cowardly posture. But in the kingdom, this is the posture of victory. This is a posture of conquering. This is a posture that says, my God has won the victory for me. If my God is for me, who can be against me? The sign of surrender is actually victory in the kingdom. Yet I think it's very interesting that when we go through our problems, when we go through our trials, when we go through our hardship, our first response is, hey, what, what do we need to do? I've got to call my friends. I've got to find out what's going on. Hey, man, can you help me? Hey, girl, can you help me? Hey, this is what I've got to do. You know what we do? We jump online and we find a 10-step 10, 10 podcast on, on how to get financial breakthrough, or we jump online and we find some great preacher and we're like, hey, maybe they can speak life into me. Yet God is actually saying, hey, when you're in the middle of a problem, when you're in the middle of a trial, the answer is not to fight on your feet, but the answer is to fight on the floor. I believe that God wants to wake us up tonight and tell you, hey, the challenge that you're facing, you're not going to find the answer in a podcast. You're not going to find the answer at a, over the phone. You're not going to find the answer by some Anthony Robbins self-help seminar. You're actually going to find the answer on your knees, crying out and submitting yourself to God. There's power in our worship. There's power in our prayer. When we get to that place of submission, when we get to that place that says, God, I don't have the answer, all I have is you, there's power in that moment. And so today, the title of my message, if you're writing down notes, is this, fight on the floor. Fight on the floor. I believe that God wants to encourage us today not to just fight on our feet. Fight isn't one on, on our feet. The fight is one on the floor. Father God, I pray for this room. I pray for every person here. God, I ask that you would speak into lives, change hearts. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear you, eyes to see you, and a heart to receive you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let me talk about worship. Can I give you that? Three points about worship. Number one, the first thing, if you're writing down notes, is this. Number one, worship removes. Worship removes. Everyone say this, worship removes. Worship removes. Worship removes. So let's look at this story. This possessed man, he's there, he's tormented, he's going mad. In fact, the Bible talks about him hearing voices and voices telling him to kill himself. And it's very interesting in verse 15, the Bible says that when they came to Jesus, this is the town, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So here we have someone who's tormented in the mind, we have someone who's struggling with issues in the mind, and I just think it's a very interesting story, especially in the day and age that we live in today, because who knows that one of the greatest epidemics that are going on in our nation is the epidemic of mental health, an issue of the mind. 
In fact, I have some statistics. We can put them up on the screen. Have a look at this. If you want to see the validity of it, you can go to beyondblue.com. So you know I'm not lying. I'm not lying, but here are the stats. One million Australians are clinically depressed. It's a lot of people. Two million people in Australia have clinical anxiety. This one's the one that got me. 45% of all Australians will experience a mental health condition in their life. That's a very interesting stat. It's very interesting what's going on in the world today. Now, I want to preface by saying this. If you're going through some mental health challenges, these are real problems. These are real challenges. And there are people that have anxiety. There are people that have depression and, and other forms of, of mental health challenges. I want to encourage you, if you've got a counselor, uh, ma- make sure that you're speaking to someone about it. Make sure you're getting the right help. But I do want to say this as well. I've found and I've seen and I know that my God is able to do all things. And I know that an encounter with God can shift not just a mindset, but an encounter with God can shift a mind. And when we look at this story, I don't want to make light of real problems and real challenges, but when we look at this story, we see a man who is mentally challenged. He, he, he is schizophrenic, he's hearing voices, he's suicidal, and he has an encounter with God and everything begins to change. Uh, catch this, in Philippians 4, the Bible says this, don't be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer by worship by getting on the floor with thanksgiving present your request to God and check this out and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus here's what God does God God has an encounter with you and he doesn't just get rid of the thing in your life he actually fills your life with peace He doesn't just remove anxiety, he gives you peace. And the Bible says he gives you a peace that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense why I'm so calm. It doesn't make sense why everything just feels like it's together. It doesn't make sense why I'm so at peace. But I want to tell you today, when we present our request to God, when we get on our knees and worship our Father in heaven, when we have an encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden anxiety doesn't have to stay. Anxiety has to go. See, worship removes. When we worship, it removes anxiety. When we worship, it has the ability to remove doubt. It has the, the ability to remove negativity. It has the ability to remove criticism. It has the, the ability to re- remove depression. It has this ability to remove, but God doesn't just remove. He replaces. He takes it from us, but He fills us with peace. He fills us with grace. He fills us with love. You don't have to get angry at me. I mean, take it up with the Bible. That's what he says. If I come to God and if I worship and if I submit myself to him, then he will give me a peace that transcends all understanding. Everything around you can say no. Everything around you can be doubtful. Everything around you can be negative. Everything around you can say no, but your worship can say yes. Your worship can say yes. There might be sickness in your body that says, no, you can't get healed, but your worship can say yes. Because there's power in our worship. Worship removes. Number one, the first thing is that worship removes. Come on, is this helping you uh, this, this evening? Number two, the second thing is that worship reverses. Number one, worship removes. Come on, can we say this together? That worship reverses. Worship reverses. 
actually quite a powerful story because we see a possessed man have an encounter with Jesus and then he leaves set free. We see a sick woman have an encounter with Jesus and then leave healed. We have a church leader who rocks up with a dying daughter. Sorry to wreck the story. She dies, has an encounter with Jesus, and then she leaves resurrected, whole, healed in Jesus' name. See, what happens with Jesus is that we can come to Jesus one way, but when we have an encounter with Him, we actually leave another way. It's because worship has the ability to reverse our situation. Worship has the ability to turn our situation around. You can come to Jesus broken and then you can leave fixed. You can come to Jesus sick, but then leave healed. You can come to Jesus bound and then leave free. That's the power of worship. Can I get an amen in this room? That's the power of our worship. See, worship reverses. See, maybe your story has been one of abuse. But that doesn't need to be how your story ends. Jesus can turn that story around. Your story might be one of addiction, but that's not how your story has to end. Jesus wants to be able to turn your story around. I mean, your story might be one of bankruptcy, but that's not how it has to end. God can actually turn your story around. In fact, He is the great turnaround story. He's the great story wrecker. He wants to just get in there and go, you might feel like you've just lived abused, but you don't have to stay abused. You might live addicted, but you don't have to stay addicted. You might live broken, but you don't have to stay broken. You might live in sickness, but you don't have to stay sick. Are you catching what I'm saying today? God wants to turn it around in your life. It's what Jesus does. He's actually the architect of the story. He's the author of the story. He's the designer of the story. He wrote it, he started it, and can I tell you something? He's gonna finish it. God wants to actually turn things around in your life. I'll never forget just recently, in that process of purchasing a home, we we came to this story. In short, we came to this moment towards the middle to the end of last year where we got a phone call from a financial advisor saying that the person who was helping finance our place had to pull out and that money was right there for us to actually make this purchase. And to be honest, at that point, we were about we were looking down the barrel of bankruptcy. And that's kind of a scary situation to be in, especially someone with a young family. We just sold a property. Everything that we'd saved, everything that we'd invested was literally about to go down the drain. I'm telling you, I was scared. Turned to my wife, told her what was going on. She burst into tears. It was scary. And I I looked at her in the eye and I said, babe, I I have no idea what to do right now. I said, let's pray. Let's just pray. I have nothing. All the options have run out. Everything's been exhausted. We've borrowed. Done everything that we can. And so that night, we got on our hands and feet and we prayed. I'm telling you, we prayed and prayed. We just put some worship on the phone. We got on our our knees and we worshiped and we just said, God, we need you. We have no other answer. I'm talking about this is like less than a year ago. And we are crying out to God, going, God, please save us. God, please help us. We need you. I didn't even know how. But an hour later, we get a phone call 
from this guy who's, who was helping with the finance. And he called and said, hey, I know my solicitors have advised against this, but there's something about you guys. And we just wanna let you know that we're gonna come through. We're gonna provide for you guys. Everything's gonna be sorted. The house is yours. Yeah, you can praise God for that. I was praising God for sure. I mean, I was like David. I was like, no clothes on. I'm like, woo, let's go. I was like, this is, because I, I mean, what I found was that in a moment, worship turned the situation around. I mean, we were really facing it. It was really scary. I was filled with doubt. I was filled with anxiety. I was filled with fear. But can I tell you, the moment I decided to worship, the moment I decided to lift my hands, the moment I decided to get on the floor was the moment that everything turned around. It's because number one, worship removes, but number two, worship reverses. It turns our situation around. You can worship in doubt. You can worship in sickness. You can worship in fear. You can worship when you're anxious. You can worship if there's depression. If you choose to lift your hands, something happens when we worship. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship does something in our lives. The third thing that worship does, number one, worship removes. Number two, worship reverses. And the last thing, is that worship revives. Worship revives. Worship revives. Can I get the keyboard up? Worship revives. Come on, turn to three people and just say, worship revives. Come on, say it louder. Worship revives. Worship removes. Worship reverses. Worship revives. Worship removes, worship reverses, worship revives. It removes doubt, it removes fear, it removes anxiety. It reverses, it turns our situation around, it turns our circumstance around. But the last thing that worship does is that worship revives, <laughs> brings things to life. In his story with Jairus, as a father, I can connect with this story because I'm telling you, if anything happens to my daughter, I'll go hood real quick, like, like zero to 100. If something happened to her, someone got near her, if someone did something to her, I'll just, boom, I'm like Michael Jackson. I'll just, I'll just, I'm telling you, something happened. I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. I know how to get her down, you know what I'm saying? I'll just, I'll just make a couple calls, you know what I mean? I just go hood real quick. And I can, I can see the challenge that Jairus is going through. I mean, his daughter's not just sick. His daughter is dying. Come on, parents, would you not do anything to see your child saved, to see your child healed? And, and I mean, Jairus gets to the point in his life where he's run out of all the options. He's exhausted every process. He's run through every, every avenue and he doesn't know what to do. I mean, he's a church leader, right? He's a church leader. Surely the pastor has an answer. No, no answer. Just Jesus, please help. 
I got nothing. Jesus, would you come and touch? Jesus, would you come and heal? And so here he is there with Jesus. He's not actually with his dying daughter. He's with his Jesus. And he says, Jesus, please, would you come and touch her life? Jesus, would you do something? Yet his posture was not to talk his way through it. His posture was to get on his knees and worship his God. He said, I'm not going to fight on my feet. I'm going to fight on the floor. And so here he is on the floor fighting for his daughter's life. And Jesus shows up, walks into the room, and he heals this daughter that dies. It's a powerful story. I believe in this room, there are dead dreams, there are dead visions, there are dead plans, things that have died along the way, things that were birthed in your heart, things that you were passionate about. And over the years, as life's happened, as work's happened, as kids have happened, as things have just gone through, you've got lost in the motion of life. And all of a sudden, these dreams have died. All of a sudden, the thing that you were passionate about, all of a sudden, the dream that you had for ministry, all of a sudden, these things that were birthed and stirring in your heart, they've died along the way. But I want to tell you something, that when we worship, God brings what is dead. He brings it back to life. When we begin to lift our hands, what we feel looks like it's over, God can bring back to life. Uh, l- let me put it this way. I'll never forget this one time. When I was younger, I was playing with this, this toy. We used to call it, uh, anyone remember what Lego is? Okay, cool. It's not that foreign, all right? You guys have Lego in Tamworth, right? I heard you guys just got McDonald's three years ago. Is that, is that true? Two. <laughs> Two. So Lego, see, Lego was like quite expensive back in the day. So we used to have this thing called Connects. It was like ghetto Lego, you know what I mean? And so, so I used to have this ghetto Lego called Connects. And so I was kind of playing with this Connects. And I'll never forget being in my room and you kind of open up the box and you have this like little manual that tells you how to put things together and a step-by-step process. So there I was trying to build this truck. And I was young, it would have been maybe um, four, five, six at the time. And I'm sitting there trying to put this truck together. And, and my dad, he walks into the room. He, he can hear me getting frustrated. I'm kind of like throwing these pieces around. I'm getting mad. Like, I was, I'm one of those guys, like, if I can't do it, just, I need to punch something. Just give me a punching bag. I'm like, boom. And so, so I'm just, I'm getting agitated. I'm like, why can't I work this out? Why can't I? And my dad just busted to the door. Hello. And, uh, and so he kind of walks in and he sees me getting frustrated. He's, he's, he's trying to work out what's going on. And I'm like, I can't put this thing together. It's frustrating. I can't do this. I can't build this thing together. And then my dad, he sits down and he sits with me. He picks up all the pieces and then he takes the main thing that I was working on and he begins to take the bits off. Starts to take the wheel apart. Starts to take the back door off. Take the roof apart. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Spent hours on this. What are you doing? He's taking pieces off. And he said, he said this thing to me. And I'll never forget these three words. He just said, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm like, Dad, you're you're, you're ripping this thing apart. What are you doing? He said, I'm not done. 
I said, Dad, what, you're, you're, all these hours of work, all of this plan, I've been running to the manual, and all, you're, you're take, I'm not done. Dad, I don't understand why you're doing this, but I'm not done. Dad, please, why are you ripping this off? I'm not done. Dad, it, it, it hurts, but I'm not done. Dad, I'm going through this thing right now, but I'm not done. I want to tell you, you might be in the middle of a problem. You might be in the middle of a trial, but God wants to remind you tonight, He's not done with your life. He's not done with your calling. He's not done with the promise that He birthed in you. He's not done yet. See, the reality is, in life, we can either choose to worry or we can choose to worship. I can choose to be filled with doubt or I can choose to lift my hand. You know, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about the idea of getting olive oil. If you were to get olive oil, who knows how to get olive oil? Coles. Okay, yeah, good one. Yeah. You crush it. You got to crush an olive to get olive oil. How do we get wine? Not that we drink wine around here. But how do we get wine? Crushed grapes. Can I say to get the value out of something? It's actually found in the crushing. It's found in the pressing. It's found in the pain. It's found in the hurt. It's found in the brokenness. You, you know what's crazy about it is that we so often think that our value in life is when things are going well and everything is rosy. But can I say, our value is not when we're crushing life. Our value is when life is crushing us. That's actually when we find true value in our lives. It's not in the, oh man, I'm crushing it. Everything is great. Everything's fine. No, no, it's in that moment where we're crushed and we're bruised and we're hurt and we're broken. It's the thing that pushes us to our knees. Because when we get pushed to our knees, that's where we can push out some worship. That's where we can push out some praise. That's where we can push out a song that says, God, I don't know this circumstance, but I know my God. I'm going to choose to worship. It doesn't matter if I'm sick. I'm going to choose to worship. It doesn't matter if I'm filled with doubt. I'm going to worship. It doesn't matter if I'm going through depression. I'm going to choose to worship. It doesn't matter if I'm anxious. I'm going to choose to worship. I wonder if there's someone in this room that says, in the midst of my trial, I'm going to worship. In the midst of me going through it, I'm going to worship. In the midst of my sickness, I'm going to worship. Let me finish by sharing a scripture with you tonight. In John 4, the Bible says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Those are the kind of worshipers that He seeks in spirit and in truth. What that passage is saying is simply this. God is looking. He's looking across this city. He's looking across this nation. He's looking across the church. And He's looking for the people that would worship Him in spirit and in truth. What that means is this. God's not looking for the person who's got it all together. He's not looking for the person who's the best dressed. He's not looking for a guy with a great fade, a beautiful beard, nice glasses, and really great shoes. He's not looking for that guy, right? I don't know where he would be. I don't know, maybe. But I'm just saying he's not looking for that guy. God is not looking for the person who has all the money in the world. 
God's not looking for the person who's the most articulate. God's not looking for the person with the biggest connect group. God's not looking for the person with the coolest car or the coolest job. God is actually looking for the one that would worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's not looking for the one who would stand out. He's looking for the one who would kneel down. Not for the one who's got it all together, but the one who would worship. The one that would worship in spirit and in truth. So tonight, can we worship Him? Can we worship Him in spirit and in truth? Can we worship Him like maybe we don't have the answers, but we know our God does? Tonight, let's make the decision to fight on the floor. To say, God, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to fight on the floor. Tonight is the night. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.